And now, ladies and gentlemen, for those most famous words in motorsports, please welcome our Grand Marshals, George Lopez and Troy Aikman. Senores! Gentlemen! Ascendan! Star! Zeus! Your! Motores! Engines! All right, another episode of the FSB Podcast, ready to go. Tyler Head, Dalton Mullinax, with you as always. And if you went into this past weekend as NASCAR made their second trip to Circuit of the Americas out in Austin, Texas, expecting the first road course race of 2022 to be the time where a veteran driver over the age of 30 finally broke through and ended this streak of these young guys winning races, getting first career wins, so on and so forth, you would have been wrong because we had our 11th straight winner under the age of 30. And after coming so close three weeks in a row, Ross Chastain is finally a NASCAR Cup Series winner by winning yesterday's race at Coda. Yeah, we both talked about it a little bit last week, how we, you know, we, we thought Ross's chance was coming. You know, we, we both now think that Suarez is going to get a win, you know, at some point in time throughout the season. And right. He had to do some serious racing, and he had a great car. I mean, yeah. obviously. Um, but to be able to hold off A.J. Allmendinger and the the craziness that was that final lap and mm-hmm. final restart, you know, it, it was one heck of a win. You know, if you would have told me going into this season that Ross Chastain was going to get a win for Trackhouse, I probably would have believed you. It's like, okay, Ross Chastain, and people forget this, he's been driving cup cars for a long time. He's just only recently done it in good equipment. He had some very good runs in the 42 car. He finished fourth at Coda last year, um, had the second at um, Nashville later on the season. So obviously he proved he could run well in good equipment. Um, You know, Daniel Suarez flexed his muscle a little bit last year in a couple different races. So, you know, thinking track house racing was going to win a race this year wasn't that outlandish. But if you were told me they would look as borderline dominant as they had at the beginning of the season, looking like a powerhouse organization, Leading to that first win, I probably wouldn't have believed you on that one. And Sunday was another case of that. Daniel Suarez goes out, leads the entire 15 laps of the first stage, wins that. Like I said, Ross Chastain pretty much dominated this entire race, still had to fight for it there at the end. But Trackhouse on both fronts flexed their muscle on Sunday. Yeah, and obviously really cool to see Justin Marks celebrating with his crew members. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think um, I think Jeff Gluck was writing about this, either maybe tweeted about it or something. But talking about how, I, you know, it's really cool to see a new team come into the series and, and have success. And, and that, that's the, you know, we talk, we'll talk about the car and how it held up on a road course a little bit later. But, you know, it's like this new car, that was one of the selling points is that it's cheaper to get in NASCAR right now. Right. right. And, and see that and, and know that, I mean, because, like, look, some of the top teams out there, the Hendrick Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing, those guys are old. Let's face it. Yep. Okay? And look for, well, who's this new leadership and who's who's the next team to kind of step to the plate? It's Trackhouse. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too. You know, you can, you know, buy your ticket at the party. You can get your charter. You can get your cars. You can be in the Cup Series. That doesn't mean you're going to have success. And right. I think, you know, a perfect microcosm for – 
what the future of this sport's going to be is two of those cars that are battling for the win on Sunday with Ross Chastain, Trackhouse Racing, Justin Marks, and to a lesser extent, Pitbull is the owner of that car. And then A.J. Allmendinger driving for Colley Racing, Matt Colley, Chris Rice, those guys, another young set of ownership, another new team, and they're, they're fighting for a win at Coda. So, again, you know, getting to the Cup Series, it's not easy, but it's easier. Um, winning is the hard part. And, yeah. you know, as everybody says, that first one's the hardest one to get. After that, you get the momentum, come a second win, the third win, and so on and so forth. So, you know, Trackhouse Racing has made their mark and already having a hot start of the season. Is it crazy to think that Ross Chastain could be a dark horse championship contender? The way he's looking right now, I would say so. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, why? And, you know, that's the thing is, I think Daniel Suarez wins here at some point in time. Yep. You know, and that'll give, you know, two drivers in the playoffs. And I, I will say what's interesting now just to kind of look at things is, you know, we've had some winners already this season that – which I feel like we've been racing for, like, months on end now. But it is I think doing the Coliseum thing and then taking the week off, it feels like the season's longer than it's been because technically we've been racing for almost two full months now. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting because like, you know, you look at you look at the guys that have won. Obviously, we we now have three first time winners this year, and you start looking at those playoff spots. That's one thing I was looking at Sunday afternoon. You know, you start looking at the playoff leaderboard, and and th these spots are going quickly. Yeah, they certainly are. And you know, just looking at the point situation, um, you know, kind of scanning it over here. There's a lot of names. Uh, that aren't appearing on this top 20 list. And, you know, obviously in the era of winning you're in, all you got to do is get that one win. Um, but, man, a guy like Denny Hamlet, terrible start. Joe Gibbs Racing as a whole has had a terrible start of the season. We're six races in. They've still yet to get a top five finish. I, who would have who thought Trackhouse Racing was going to get a win before Joe Gibbs Racing got a top five finish? Yeah, in, in talking about Denny Hamlet, I thought it was very telling – well, I, actually, I stand corrected. Christopher Bell finally broke through. He got third on Sunday. So that's the first top five finish for Joe Gibbs Racing six races into the season. Yeah, you expect a lot more than that. But what I was going to say, though, was like you look at a guy like Denny Hamlin, and I, I thought what was very telling as to where they are right now as an organization, you know, he's had a rough start to the season. We know that. They were points racing. Yeah. On, you know, they stayed out to – to get the stage two points when everybody else was pitting, they basically said, yeah, we're not going to win this one. So we might as well just get and, and That's, that's not something you've seen the past two, three years from that team. And it makes me kind of wonder, and Gluck and Bianchi were talking about this on their podcast. I listened to it this morning, you know, this new car, it, it's changed the game for everybody. Everybody's having to learn this new car, how it races and all this kind of stuff. When you think about, you know, Ross Chastain, Kyle Larson, you know, all these guys that have won the races this year, again, all under the age of 30, they didn't spend a ton of time in the cup cars before this year. I mean, yeah, it's been a couple of years, but, you know, all driving the Gen 6. So for them, driving a cup car isn't nearly as ingrained as it was for Kevin Harvick, for Denny Hamlin, for Kurt Busch. These guys have been doing it 15 to 20 years a certain way, knowing how cup cars handle and drive a certain way at certain tracks. Now all that has been completely undone, and maybe it's just hard to shake that muscle memory for these older guys because they were doing it for so long. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about, but yeah, that, that would make some sense. 
because, you know, we kind of thought like, oh, you know, if anybody's going to adapt to this quickly, it's going to be the veterans because they've been around for so long and, you know, putting it more back in the hands of the drivers. But no, I really think that it could possibly be the fact that they're trying to unlearn something that they've been doing for a decade and a half, two decades in some cases. Yeah. So, but again, and they're avoiding your in. All it takes is that one win. Um, you know, we're about to hit a stretch of short tracks here. So that could certainly be a place where a guy like Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, guys that are good at Richmond and Martinsville, and we won't classify the Bristol Dirt Race as a short track. That's his own thing. Um, uh, that could finally be where they, they turn things around or not. We could see, you know, two more winners under the age of 30 and, uh, you know, continue this trend. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's one of those, you know, we just don't really know what to expect. Yeah, this is something I can't remember if we talked about it last week or the week before, but, you know, this is what NASCAR has been waiting on for so long is these young guys to finally start breaking through and winning races, winning championships. You know, look, Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson winning the past two championships for so long, they were shoving it down our throat like the new guys are here. The new guys are here. It's like, yeah, but they're not winning. Like, OK, they're running top 10. That's great. They're making the playoffs. That's cool. But they're not making the final four. They're not winning the championship. Look, Kevin Harvick's winning all these races. Kyle Busch, Martin Trex Jr. Well, now the page is flipped. And, you know, everybody's been talking about how the next-gen car isn't just the car. It's, it's the schedule. It's this new era of NASCAR. And I think these young, guy, young guys winning is a part of that. I agree. Yeah, you know, it was, it was Kevin Harvick that said that, you know, for Chase Elliott to really transcend – he said it a few years ago – for Chase Elliott to really transcend the sport and, and take it to that next level, he's got to start winning. Yeah. And he did. And, you know, you look at, you look at guys like Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, you know, the quote-unquote young guns of the sport. Right. They've started, they've started yeah. dominating races and going on these big stretches where they're just – they're untouchable. And yeah. that's what you want from a young crowd. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, you know, you want when – as – you know, the, the Harvicks and the Hamlins and the Trex Juniors get towards that retirement age, you want to have that next wave of drivers as established winners, as established champions, to be ready to carry this sport for the next 15 to 20 years on their own. You know, mm-hmm. if, if Harvick and those guys are still dominating, they all suddenly retire, and, you know, the, the you know, most wins of any active driver suddenly goes down to like nine or ten, then it's like, uh, you know, is this what, what sport can really build itself on? But, you know, now you've got uh, obviously the champions and Chase Elliott, and Kyle Larson, um, well, you know, double digit wins and, you know, you know, who knows how many guys like Ross Chastain and Austin Centric are going to have over the course of the year. So now you're getting this foundation to build off this again, the next gen of NASCAR is going to be built off right. the young guys success. Yeah. Um, another, another one of those young guys. Um, well, actually we need to go back to Chastain really quick. Ross Chastain's a really good story. And for people that don't know, this is a guy that has really had to grind his way to where he is. And, you know, he's been around in the top three series for like a decade now, all the way back to driving trucks for BKR about 10, 12, 10, 11 years ago. So he's been around for a long time. He's driven for big teams, driven for small teams. You know, he had that opportunity with Chip Ganassi in a 2018. It looked like he was going to be primed to drive for the Xfinity Series team, the DC Solar thing gets ripped out from underneath him. That all falls apart, and he has to grind his way back. Finally gets to the Cup Series last year in the 42 car, and then Chip Ganassi sells the team, and he wasn't guaranteed anything. He had to sell himself to Justin Marks, who took a chance on him, didn't bring any sponsorship to the table, and now finally culminates with him getting his first Cup Series win and bringing Team Trackhouse the first Cup Series win as well. Just 
an incredible story. Yeah, and the first watermelon smash at Coda. That was pretty cool, too. Okay, uh, okay. did you think he was going to throw it on the roof of the car? Because I kind of did for a second. I did, I did too, because it lucky was way too close. And I was, I was thinking, like, Ross, you still have post-race inspection. <laughs> yeah, it's like, something must be illegal. But, no, it's just, it, you know, it's just that there are drivers in the sport that are there because of their money. Yeah. And, you know, at all three levels of, of the touring series. But he's not one of those guys. Yeah. You know, he's just – and I know you've been one of his biggest fans for as long as I've known you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it – like you said, he's been around a while, but he, he's still a young dude. He's, he's, you know, got to figure out the Cup Series now and, and getting that first win, you know, maybe that takes the pressure off. Now he can just go out and just, just drive. Yeah, and he's an, he's an aggressive racer, and that's something that, you know, I think uh, we lose appreciation for a little bit. You know, I think people are kind of quick to, oh, that guy's too aggressive, he's racing too rough. For a guy like Ross Chastain, who – doesn't know when is for a long time didn't know what his next opportunity was going to come had to make the most of every single situation every moment and that ended up being what helped him win on sunday right um so that last lap i've never i've watched a race in a long time i've never seen somebody get a two for one in knocking somebody out of the way but when he when i say he executed that move perfectly he executed it perfectly like like and I thought I thought Almendinger made his move too early because you know, look, you knew Almendinger obviously is great on road courses. He was going to make a run at him on the last lap. He was following his tire tracks, kind of burning off those last couple laps, waiting to make his move. I think he made it way too early because again, unless you're going to spin Ross out, now you've opened the door for him to get you back, and you left yep. way too many turns for him to do that. Well, and, and you knew. I mean, that's the thing is is Ross knows that. Almendinger's not running for points. All he yep. wants is the win. Yep. So you're more likely to dump a guy like that. And and I didn't – that's the thing is, like, you know, what if you're an A.J. Almendinger fan, you probably think it's dirty. But like you said, you know, A.J. AJ took a shot at him. It didn't work. You know, he moved him temporarily. But when Ross got back to him, he, he said – and can we talk about how Alex Bowman almost backed himself into that one too? I'm watching this last lap go down and, you know, AJ Elmendinger's closing in on Ross Chastain and you're thinking AJ is going to end up wrecking both of them or, or knocking them both off course. And the hack Alex Bowman is going to slide to yet another victory and he's going to have another t-shirt to sell this week. Yep. He's yep. reminding me. And do you remember about 10 years ago when Kevin Harvick was the closer where he, yeah. you wouldn't hear about him all race. Then he'd show up with like five laps to go and either, you know, win on a late restart or, like, the leader would run out of gas or something. Like, Alex yep. Bowman is the new iteration of that. He just yeah. shows up at the end of these races and is like, oh, LOL, Bowman wins. And it almost happened again on Sunday. Well, and, and you know, I mean, obviously Kyle Busch was critical of him a few weekends ago. But, you know, there's part of that that just is being a good driver, being in the yeah. right place to capitalize. And, and he almost was. He almost was again on Sunday. But – Obviously, Ross held on and, like you said, put the put the pinball on them and, and took them both out. Yeah, and I, I don't – I can't even begin to understand what the thought process for Ross would be. Like, okay, well, I know I got to move AJ, but Alex Bowman is also right there. So, somehow I got to knock AJ far enough off course to send Alex Bowman wide so that I can pass both of them and win this race. And he did it perfectly. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know what else to say. 
if he tries that, if he tries that again, ninety nine times it doesn't work. But it like just needed. Looks, um, that looks like something you could only pull off in like a video game. Yeah, yeah. But you know that that reminded me a lot of like uh, Keselowski and Ambrose at Watkins Glen in two thousand twelve. Just this chaotic last lap where you're on the edge of your seat until the very end. Yeah. So, um, and. You know, talking about uh, Chastain and, and Almendinger, they were also nearly in the same situation on Saturday as well. Almendinger gets the win, but Ross Chastain led a ton of that race. He ended up getting spun out on one of the late restarts, but just kind of a role reversal for those guys on a Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and Ross talked about it, you know, by running on Saturday, he felt like that helped him on Sunday. Yeah. No, for sure. And there was a lot of cup guys down there running both the, the truck series race as well as the Xfinity series race. And, you know, now that we've, we're in this era where, you know, cup drivers are limited to X amount of starts in the Xfinity series. And now that Kyle Busch isn't running the Xfinity series, I don't think anybody's going to be using up that limit very much. Um, but you almost kind of appreciate it a little bit more now because we don't see it every single week. Like we used to like, Hey, cool. You know, Chastain, you know, Cole Custer, Bubba Wallace, they're going to run the Xfinity series race on Saturday at Coda. That's pretty neat. You know, and it's yeah. this, oh, well, there's 20 cup guys in the Xfinity Series race this weekend. One of them's going to win, I guess. You know, it's almost kind of like a, a reversal of where we were a few years ago. Yeah, and, and I don't, I'm, I'm one of the people that don't have an issue with the, the, the limit. I mean, right. um, when Kyle Busch go out there and race every week, yeah, sure. But if he wants to do that, go do that full time, you know. So leave that to the, the kids. And, but, yeah, it definitely – I was surprised there weren't more guys that did it just you know coda last year we didn't have practice or we did have practice right um i know it, i know it rained the entire time yeah, uh it may well it may have been limited because of the rain they did qualify i remember that um so yeah they did have some track time but the xfinity series race was running the dry and the cup series race was running the wet so i don't nobody's gonna learn anything anyway yeah with the conditions of this weekend that's why i was surprised there weren't more yeah that did yeah, um, and maybe that's, uh, you know, it has something to do with the difference in the next-gen car, which, by the way, and, you know, we need to loop back around on this really quick. The next-gen car, it didn't look like it raced all that differently than the Gen 6 did on road courses. All I've been hearing for months and months is that this car is designed for road courses. It's got the bigger brakes and all this stuff. You know, it's going to change the game, and, you know, maybe from a, you know, speed standpoint going into the corners is a little bit different, but overall they're still sliding around running far off course. It looked like a standard cup series road course race. Yeah. There was nothing to it that was crazy special or anything. Yeah. Another event on Saturday was the uh, truck series race. Kyle Busch was running for that, was running in that race. And it looked like he was well on his way to uh, picking up a victory there. Gets tangled with a few trucks late in the going. And uh, Zane Smith just, slides his way in and gets a second victory of the year that's actually two years in a row that 38 truck has won because Todd Gillen won there last year and Zane Smith you know he's one of these guys that I can't I haven't quite been able to figure out because he had a great 2020 picked up a couple wins had a pretty respectable 2021 not as great as 2020 but he was like in the final four competing for the championship and now he started off the season with two wins like I I, I don't know it's he's kind of hard to figure out well, and I think that's the, the fun with the, the truck series in particular is that, you know, there's, there's weeks that these guys go out there and you're like, 
man, he's the next greatest thing. And then there's other weeks where they, they do something stupid, wreck, and, and now they finish last. And you're like, well, that's why he's in the truck series. And yep. that's just – I feel like there's, that's their way with a lot of guys in the truck series right now that, you know, quote-unquote prospects of NASCAR. Because, I mean, Chandler Smith grew up probably 15 miles up the road where I live. Right. Right. And it's, it's pretty cool to see him, you know, and you think, oh, he's KBM, he's talented, blah, blah, blah. But then he just does some boneheaded stuff. And it's just – that's the joy for me of the truck series is, like, seeing these right. kids grow. Right. I just – the one thing that aggravates me about the truck series at the start of the season is it's so stop and go. So we've gotten – you know, we, we, they raced to Daytona. They didn't race the Auto Club. They raced to Las Vegas. They didn't race to Phoenix. They raced to Atlanta. They raced to Dakota. Now they're going to be off again this week. And they're going to race two yeah. more weeks in a row, then they're going to be off again. Like, I, I wish the truck series would hit the ground running like the other series do at the start of the season because it's so stop and go. It isn't really until the summer that you get into having the truck series every single week. So you almost kind of, like, have to remind yourself what's going on when they show back up. Like, oh, yeah, that happened last time. Or, you know, he, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing that. Um, I wish it was a little more of a flowing type thing. Yeah, you can never really get into a groove. Well, somebody that finally got into a groove in the truck series was John Hunter Nemechek, who's had a disastrous start of the season, hasn't been able to get a single top 20 until Saturday when he got the second place at Coda. Um, look, he's going to win a race this year. He's going to make the playoffs. He's going to be fine. But it was definitely a surprising way to start the season, having the misfortune he's had so far. Well, and it goes, it goes back to last year. I mean, they weren't running great in the playoffs. They went in as the – prohibitive favorite and you you thought they would just waltz into phoenix and take the trophy home that didn't happen and there was kind of that hangover effect it felt like um that team and and finally like you said got back on track this weekend yep a couple news things to touch on here and we'll start with this since it's related to to this past weekend adam stern tweeted this out earlier that um the and here's how here's how he phrased it the drivers have agreed to go back to Coda in 2023. So it's going to be back on the schedule again. And the phrasing that is what really sticks out to me. The drivers agreed. And so NASCAR and the drivers had this conversation, you know, through this entire week over the course of the week and whatever it was, but they gave the thumbs up saying, yes, we want to go back there next year. I think, and you know, this driver council thing that formed a couple of weeks ago that we haven't heard much of since then, that's really important to me because it's showing that the drivers have a voice in the schedule, you know, in the, you know, how the race goes down, rules packages and that kind of stuff. This is what the sport needs is conversations on both sides where they can both agree on things. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is the drivers are the one on the track. You know, mm-hmm. they talk, about they hate Coda. There's no use in going there, but right. uh, you know, good sign that they, their input is being recognized by NASCAR officials and, you know, hopefully this is just a sign of things to come. Now, if the Bristol dirt race ends up being a disaster in a couple of weeks and the drivers hate it, does that mean we won't do it in 2023? I hope so. I, I ain't gonna lie. I'll be, I'll be pissed if they announce mid-race. We're back next year for more fun. Like, no, let's don't. It was funny that you mentioned that because apparently Coda was promoting 2023 before this announcement even came out. Like at the track mm-hmm. yesterday, like, hey, buy your tickets. We're going to be back here next year. It's like, Okay, well, I guess they're back on the schedule again. Yeah. Which, by the way, you know, we got so used to just 
the the five year track contracts and all that kind of stuff where we just knew like okay outside of maybe swapping some dates around we're gonna get the same tracks next year year after that year after that we're kind of in this weird again it's all part of this next gen concept in nascar where just because we go to a track this year doesn't necessarily mean we're going to go there next year like it is for a lot of these places on a year-to-year basis depending on how things go well and and like you said it's you know used to you really the only changes would be you know maybe switching a race here or there Mm -hmm. but dates all over the place i mean one of the ones, obviously, it's a little bit further down the line, but I, I, I'm tickled to death that Homestead is in the playoffs now. Yep. You know, we used to go there early in the season. Now we don't go there till late in the season. So NASCAR really has allowed themselves the flexibility, and I, I love it. No, I do too. Um, and, uh, you know, this was obviously, I think, before COVID and everything, but, but NASCAR was talking about two years ago that really – wanting tracks to hit that 70% attendance mark. And if they didn't hit that, then, you know, they would look at removing them from the schedule. And I don't know how much that factors into things now, but you know, yeah, if you got a track that people aren't coming to, um, then yeah, that maybe they shouldn't have a race. Maybe they shouldn't have two races. You know, I'm a firm believer that a lot of these tracks that have two dates shouldn't have two dates. We should, you know, diversify the schedule even more. Um, but I don't know. It's just kind of, it's nice to finally be broken from the norm we were so used to where it's like, okay, well, you know, same, same tracks next year and the year after that and the year after that, because that creates an excitement, you know, with the schedule release with, you know, wondering where we can go next and what we can do next. And, you know, this thinking outside the box that the new NASCAR is seemingly all about. Yeah, exactly. Um, something else that's a part of the new NASCAR is very stiff penalties. If you mess with this next gen car and Roush Fenway Keselowski racing learned that one the hard way this past week, when the six team and Brad Keselowski were penalized a hundred points, crew chief Matt McCall got himself a nice little four week vacation for tampering with the next gen car. Yeah, this was a, this was major news. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the, no offense to the Rick Ware cars, but it's not, they told the 51 to go home for a few weeks. Right. A premier team with a, stud of a driver and they leveled a huge penalty i mean you know this isn't from you know the old point system where 100 points is just like eh, whatever this is like two and a half to three race point penalty and for a guy like brad keselowski that has not shown speed this year that you feel like may not be able to win a race Mm -hmm. this is essentially Kind of, it feels like to me, and and we'll as he, when he ends up being the champion at the year, we'll we'll reconvene and remember this moment. But right. I feel like this is an early like dismissal for him. I feel like that's it. Yeah, and you know we're just so conditioned to Brad Keselowski always finding a way to win every single season because that's what we did when he was with the two car. Um, but yeah, they they haven't been running well this season. He's got one top ten. He's got an average finish of uh, 18th so far. So there's no guarantee is going to be able to find his way to victory lane and for perspective of how big that 100 points is if he did not get that penalty he would currently be sitting 17th in points only four points behind Kyle Larson at the playoff cut line he now finds himself 34th in points overall yeah it's huge you know and and I will say NASCAR was very stern in their wording before the season started you know do not 
modify these bodies. Yep. And they got caught, yeah. you know, and I think it sent, I think it was Logano said on Saturday that, you know, they basically alluded to it in the broadcast. Um, it may have been practicing qualifying, but they basically alluded to it. And he was just like, yeah, walking around the garage, everybody's scared to death that, you know, don't even touch it, you know, yeah. and, and that as a fan and as somebody who wants the sport to, to be fair, that's mm-hmm. what I, I, I want yeah. people to obey the rules, push the rules, but obey them. Well, and I think when you look back to just a couple of weeks ago at Daytona um, with the Fords and particularly the RFK Fords, they weren't, they did not get in trouble, but NASCAR, you know, basically issued them a warning in, in regards to what they were doing on the inside of the, the wheel wells um, for hanging their tires on pit stops. Again, they didn't get in trouble for it, but that makes me think, okay, well, NASCAR saw that. So what organization team do you think they had the most focus on as the weeks have gone by waiting to see what else they were going to do. And lo and behold, they're the ones that got popped. Yeah. And they have appealed it. Um, But I doubt it. I I don't think this one's going to change. No, it stings though, for sure. No. And again, it it sets a precedent that, and look, everybody's still going to be pushing the limits, you know, as, just about every crew chief I've heard ever talk says, we're not cheating. You're not trying. And yeah. you know, they're going to show up to the track with 10 illegal things. Hopefully they only catch seven of them. And the next gen car is no different, but you got to be extra careful because if you do get caught, you push the limit too far, you're going to pay a hefty price. Yeah, it's a huge penalty. Yep. So again, you know, for Brad Keselowski and the RFK team, and you feel like they've almost kind of shown hints, like little flashes, like, maybe they're maybe they're getting better but then you know you have a weekend like this past weekend where they're just non-factors the entire time it's like well maybe they're not you know this is a long process it's not going to happen overnight um but this is a a devastating blow to that team um in brad kozlowski's first year as they're trying to to build that foundation for years to come for sure so now we go off to richmond for our first short track i guess it's technically a short track it's under a mile um this is one of the races that I've been the most intrigued by with this next-gen car because Richmond, for lack of a better term, has kind of sucked over the past couple of years. We haven't really seen much great racing at Richmond in the past five, six seasons. Can the next-gen car fix that? Potentially. I mean, we'll, we'll find out. Yep. Um, so the hack Alex Bowman won this race last year on a late race restart by slipping by Denny Hamlin, who had seemingly dominated um so we'll see what we're in for this weekend no trucks as i mentioned a moment ago can have the xfinity series on saturday and then the cup series on sunday um i believe i'm still leading three to oh because none of us got any picks right i was it's, uh, what was that i got zane smith ah dang it you did get zane smith so three to one i backed, I, I backed into one there uh kaz Grala was running pretty good uh-huh. and he spinning out late in the race and i I don't know what I was thinking with the Sage Karam pick. I was like, well, he drove IndyCar, so maybe he'll be good here, but he was a non-factor. Yeah, I had Reddick, and I was low-key optimistic, but it didn't happen. Oh, well. so You're still one. Okay, well, since you got your victory, you can go ahead for the Xfinity Series on Saturday. Um, I'm going to go with Justin Allgaier. Dang it. Was that who you are going with? It was who I was going to go with, but I, great pick. He's really good there. 
Yeah, I mean, I, and he needs to get going. You know, I mean, they need to continue to just move things forward because I feel like before he's done with his Xfinity career, he's going to win a championship. And, you know, you just start looking at the time clock and you're like, well, when's it going to happen? So I'll go Algar. Well, while he's still trying to get things going, Noah Gregson is on absolute fire this season. And when you go back to last year, which really Richmond last year was kind of where this run of momentum kind of began for them, that Darlington Richmond, um, where they had kind of a so-so year and then really turned it on the playoffs. And he's carried that momentum all the way over into this year. Already got his win, obviously, um, uh, a couple weeks ago at Phoenix. And I think he backs that up with another win at Richmond. Yeah, a place he runs well at. Yes, he does. So to Sunday afternoon, which do you like the fact that we run the spring Richmond race in the daytime? I feel like Richmond just is should always be a night race. We don't have enough night races. We don't. We don't have enough night race. I feel like every short track, short track race, yeah, should be anyway. It's got just there's just some about it that's just different. Yeah, there's just uh, no, there's just no vibe to Richmond on a Sunday afternoon. No, there really isn't. Really isn't. Uh, with that, who wins on Sunday? I think Kyle Busch is going to get to victory lane. Okay. Um, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about how the Joe Gibbs guys have struggled. Um, but if there's a – look, we know Kyle can win anywhere and at any time. And I feel like they've – I feel like of those JGR cars, that 18 team is getting things faster than everybody else. Well, Austin Zendrick got his win. Chase Briscoe's got his win. Ross Chastain's got his win. The next guy to win a race has got to be Tyler Reddick, right? He has been in position so many times. He's looked good in just about every single race. He's got to break through at some point. So why not? Would, it could very well be. So, uh, you know, six for six this year on great races. Hopefully Richmond can be seven for seven. And uh, kind of similar to what we had last year, six different winners. So that playoff uh, playoff grid starting to fill up fast. Yeah, and it's like you said, it'll be interesting to see the guys that, you know, if they don't get on the win board, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who gets left out. That's right. All right, we'll be back next week to break down all things Richmond. For Dalton Mullinax, sorry. I'm Tyler Head. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.